Listener Production. You're listening to Footy Talk. Liam Flanagan here alongside Brisbane Lions legend Simon Black. We've got a lot to rip into. Damien Hardwick looks set to be announced as the Gold Coast Suns' new head coach. We'll ask Blackie what that means for the code in Queensland. And the Matildas playing tonight. I'm going to put a question to Simon Black. If an AFL premiership had to be decided with a goal-kicking penalty shootout-style setup, which five of his former teammates would he pick to win the game? That's coming up next on Football. Welcome to Footy Talk, your daily dose of footy, the latest news, interviews and analysis from the world of AFL. You're listening to Footy Talk. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure you hit that bell so you never miss an episode. Liam Flanagan here, joined by a man who played over 300 games, won three comps and a Brownlow medal to boot everything else. Simon Black, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Flanders. Great to be with you. How are you, mate? Oh, mate, flying. Now, let's let's address the elephant in the room. Obviously, tonight the Matildas taking on England in their World Cup semi final in Sydney. But last Saturday night, oh, man. you and I went down very different paths. We were in the exact same situation and we chose different routes because we both had tickets for the Matildas quarterfinal in Brisbane with our families and we were both rostered on to call the Brisbane Lions Adelaide Crows game. Yes, we were. Mm. Where yeah. did you end up? I was at the game doing my job, Flanners. Where, where did you end up? I was at the Matildas game. <laughs> <laughs> Witnessing history. Oh, mate, I was very envious of you. What, a, what, a, what an evening, what an occasion for, for Brisbane first and foremost, but for the country. My God, I've never seen anything. The country is so captivated by a sporting team. Hasn't it been unbelievable? All those videos that have come out since showing people where they were watching and all that, you know, the Giants were watching it as a team. The Boomers were watching it as a team. Yeah. The Boomers have delayed there. They've got a game tonight up in Cairns and they've pushed back the start time so that the Matildas can have some some clean air to it. <laughs> Something you would have appreciated before kickoff in the quarterfinal against France. Obviously, the Brisbane Lions theme song is the French national anthem yeah. to the tune of. When the French national anthem was being played... <laughs> There were big segments of Suncorp Stadium singing the Lions song. <laughs> it was great. I was, I was looking around. It started up. Go Lions. I was like, oh, I don't know if this is disrespectful, but I'm really enjoying it. It was an incredible atmosphere. Oh, unbelievable. In, in the commentary box at the Gabba, uh, we had the Matildas up above our heads on the screen, and I'm, I'm meant to be commentating, and I'm watching the Matildas. I'm like, oh, forget the footy. It's a great game. And Crows v Lions is very close, but I'm on the Matildas. So it was a bit of a challenge, but... So so special, wasn't it? That was something else, mate. And tonight, they're on again. The stadium was shaking during the penalties. I was at the penalty end for this. And the, the Suncorp Stadium, was it was 50,000 people there. And everyone, except maybe a couple of rows, were going for the Matildas. And the stadium was literally... It was uh, my wife was in tears at kickoff. This it, I've I've never been as affected by a live sporting event in my life. It was and it was a quarterfinal, you know. So I, I'm really envious but excited for everybody that's going to be at the game tonight in Sydney because this again they are they're they're one step away from a, a World Cup final. Something that I think we as a country probably never thought we'd see a team get to. Yeah, absolutely. What an achievement! I mean, those penalty shootouts. Talk about a climactic event, the, the intensity and the pressure. I mean, those girls, each one of them had to, to, to come forward and take their spot kick, the whole world, the, the nation on their shoulders. Well, a Katrina Gorey, Brisbane girl, for example, who had to step up there and if she misses, they're out. And the French keeper got all of it. She it got all of it. Yep. And yet somehow it's still when I don't know. And that's what I don't like about penalties because it's a team sport and yet seemingly – at, in penalties, it comes down to an individual. And yeah. Let's let's bring that to AFL. 
right? <laughs> Go back into your heyday. Let's say there's a drawn grand final. One of your three peats, there was a drawn grand final, and you had to have a essentially a set shot kickoff from 45 to decide the winner. Who are the who are the five? Give me your five kickers from your line side back in, in your premiership. Like who are you backing in to kick the goal from 45 directly in front? Who's it going to be? We had some some great, obviously great finishes. Mm. I have to throw Jason Ackermanis in there. Acker's there. Jonathan Brown would be in there. Brownie. Nigel Lappin would definitely be really? in there. Really? Yeah, Nigel's is a great pressure. I mean, Nigel's such a great, one of the great underrated players of the, of the competition for the last 30 years, Nigel mm. Lappin for mine. Uh, I would I would put Ash McGrath, Miracle on Grass. Right. <laughs> he, he was, he's a beautiful set shot. So hold on. Let's just talk through this because you've got one spot left in this kickoff. Acker, Brownie, Lappin, McGrath. There's one spot left. You haven't put yourself in there. Vossie's not there. Bradshaw's not there. Lynchy's not there. Lepper's not there. God love Lynchy, but I'd probably leave Lynchy out of <laughs> forward and he'd be out. He'd say he'd be worried about it hitting his shin. Um, <laughs> look, I've got to go out skipper. I've got to put Vossie in there. Yeah. yeah. And you wouldn't put yourself in there? You wouldn't want it? I'd be flat out making the distance from 45. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, how do you think, I mean... Look, it's a hypothetical, so we can have some fun with it. It would never happen, but how, would that be a what a way to decide an AFL grand final? Imagine if we went back to the Collingwood St Kilda and they had to oh, kick goals to see. Wouldn't it be gnarly? Wouldn't it be just oh, just oh. The, the intensity? There's no other sport like that, is there? No, well, yeah, and look, Matilda's tonight up the Tillies. It's going to be wonderful, especially if we can get the win over England, given what we've been doing to them late in in world sport, the netball, the Ashes. Anyway, Queensland big story here right now is Dimmer. Looks like it's yeah. going to be announced potentially as early as next week. He's still overseas, but it looks like the deal is done and he's going to be the new coach of the Suns. It's fantastic, isn't it? I, I ran into Mark Evans last week, actually, Flanners, and I, I hit him up pretty hard about it. I said, what, what do you think? What do you think? And he said, he was pretty open. He goes, I'm, I'm confident. I'm really confident. He said, I flew all the way over there and he, uh, we rang him first to say, will you be willing to meet with us? And, he, and it was pretty positive. He said, yep. Uh, no worries, and and look, he was he was yeah really positive. So it's great to hear that it's it's looking very very likely that he's going to come, and I think he's going to be great for the game in in this state of Queensland. Aussie rules footy, uh, why? Because he's he's got to be a spunk about him, Dimmer. He's got great. Uh, character, great personality. Um, I think he's got a bit of showmanship to him. I think I think we saw that on the way out uh, at Richmond, and um, and he's so experienced. I think in terms of. The Suns being relevant in this competition, they need to be a top eight side playing finals. And I think with Dimmer's experience and his game knowledge and, and the team that he'll get around him um, and the squad that the Suns have got, I think it's really exciting for the Suns going forward and for football in Queensland. We know about this young core at the Suns, Matty Rowe, Noah Anderson, Lacocious King, etc. And there's, there's others as well, Charlie Bella. How important is it for them? Because they had some really strong connections with Stuart Jew. He was the guy that got them there. He was the guy that was the reason a lot of them resigned long term. How important is it for them as a young player to have a coach of Damien Hardwick standing coming in instead of if the Suns had gone back and maybe given another untried senior coach the job? Yeah, it's enormous for stability. Uh, what you want from a, a squad of, let's say, 80% of your playing list being from interstate. You need guys to buy in and, and to renew their contracts. And we've been seeing that from a lot of those core guys that you mentioned, Flanners, on the Gold Coast list recently, which is great. When Lee Matthews arrived at our club in 99 at the Lions, he just brought great, um, obviously, respect and uh, an aura about him. And, and you just wanted not, you didn't want to let him down, really. And I, I think that's, I feel that's what Dimmer will have with his, you know, with his, what's he, was he, I should know, the three or four flags. 
Uh, he won one with Port. He won one with the Bombers, and then he's coached. Well, yeah, five. So he's yeah. getting up there on the list. Yeah, yeah. of course. Uh, he he brings he brings a fair bit of claret to him. No doubt about that. His ability to be able to bring the group together. You look at Richmond when they became successful. His ability to really connect and unite that playing group, and they were they were. They were a real brotherhood. Mm. And on the back of that, obviously enormous talent there, but they were so well connected. And I think that's Dimmer's great strength. And, and modern day coaches that are great, that's their really greatest ability. Look at Craig McRae, what he's been able to do at Collingwood, mm. connecting and unite that playing group so much. And he's going to be fantastic for the Suns, Dimmer. And the other point, you the, the word you used there that I wrote down was relevancy because I think the other thing for the Suns and probably for the AFL in a broader sense is that they need the Suns to be relevant beyond just the Gold Coast. And they probably haven't been just because they've been able, unable to get to finals. Damien Hardwick being the senior coach makes them relevant in the footy states as well. The Melbourne will pay attention. The Melbourne media pays attention because it's Damien Hardwick coaching this side. Yeah, spot on. You, you, you talk to people at Sydney Swans and their whole sort of mission as a business is to be top eight because you've got to be relevant in the biggest city in Australia for them. And, you know, for the Suns on the Gold Coast, you know, to support a base, you've got to be playing, you've got to be, you know, in the top eight. They've never been there, as we know. But, you know, to get that buy-in from supporters and that transient sort of community that's on the coast, uh, yeah, they've got to be a top eight team. Quickly, before we move on from the Suns, one way or another, where's Dustin Martin playing in 2024? I'd say he'd at Richmond for okay. me if I was going to guess. Yeah, oh, one geez, other. you're a spoiled sports fan. <laughs> oh, you could have led into that. You could have had fun. We could have started a whole thing. Simon Black thinks Dustin Martin will be at the Suns next year, but instead you got boring on me. That's fine. <laughs> Quickly, let's talk about your mob, the Lions. A couple of uh, pieces. Contract extensions for McInerney and Lester. Uh, Ryan Lester seems like he's a real glue guy off the field as well, sticking around for another 12 months, and, and Big O uh, signed a new two-year deal. I want to talk about the two veterans, though, who went through that uh, self-imposed mini preseason in Dan Rich and Jack Gunston, who both look like they might be done for the season with injuries. Yeah. Do you think that Gunston's knee injury, is there any silver lining that maybe they were too tall in the forward line and that him not being there might open things up for Danaher and Hipwood? Yeah, potentially. Uh, look, I think, I mean, he doesn't sort of play as a tall that much for mine. He's the third type and, you know, I don't, I don't see him taking too many pack marks and, you know, I don't see probably... Danaher and, and Hipwood doing too many too much of that as well, but he's clever, he's crafty, he knows where the space is, and he's got great ability to, to you know to find the, the leading lane and, and get hit up a mark, go back, have a session and go. He's clever at that. Look, what I think it'll allow if if Gunson's out, is is a guy like Cam Rayner needs to step up a bit more. I need I want to see him hit the scoreboard more and. With Gunston not there for how many weeks, I think a guy like Cam Rayner can. We know he loves to take a, a, a leap and a mark. But can he be used in that mm. sort of little hit up inside 50 bit more without without a player around him that's doing that already in, in Gunston? So I think Cam Rain is there, sort of bit of an X factor for the Lions over the next sort of six weeks around can he have a – loves the big games too. Can he can he impose himself more regularly in, in games? I don't think he's averaging a goal a game this year. Um, okay. Might be a little bit off the mark there, but he's, he's thereabouts. But he's a player that I think needs, needs to lift. I think it's fantastic that Ryan Lester's got a contract extension. He's been living off one year for a long time, but he's had a <laughs> career best uh, year. And for, for a guy like Daniel Rich, it's a real challenge, you know, to get back in that team with Darcy Wilmot, Connor McKenna, Kitty Coleman, and, and obviously Froggy Lester mm. having really strong years. So it's a really challenging period right now for, for Daniel Rich. Well, there are chances to secure that top two spot, which is what everybody said they needed. Obviously, the blockbuster game against Collingwood coming up uh, to start this round. How exciting. Now, quickly... Quick parallel here, Tony Gustafsson, the coach of the Tillies, after they lost to Nigeria in the group, everyone said 
he needs to be sacked. Wasn't he under heat? He was under some serious heat. And now I think they're probably ready to build a statue of him if he can get the Matildas into a World Cup final. Vossi, similar circumstances. He was There was reviews going on. There were whispers in <laughs> dark rooms of Carlton, left, right and centre, that Vossi needed to be shoved out the door. And here he is now. Looks like he's pretty much got him into finals. Yeah, talking to Luke Power, who's at, at uh, coaching under him at Carlton, he, he said he was super impressive throughout that period when they're losing a lot. He said he just held his nerve. He was calm. Uh, he was completely, uh, you know, not not at ease with the situation, but he was cool, calm, collected. And he said, Vossi, oh, I know Vossi's one of his great strengths. He's, he's, a, he's a great motivator, Vossi. And if he keeps it simple um, game plan wise, mm. he, he's a great motivator and, and that, that's when he's at his best. So, um, you can see, and back that early part of the season, Flans, just the, the midfield wasn't playing like we know they can, and certain parts of their game weren't, you know, operating as, as well as we know they can. So they've, I've, I've got that, it's clicked, and mm. that connection, and they're, they're playing a dogged brand of footy now too as well, and playing like, often, you know, you see a team play with characteristics of their coach, and I think Carlton have got a bit that a bit of a sort of nasty edge to them now, and willing to get the ball back from the opposition at any cost. Uh, well, there, and there's some suggestions that the trip to Ed Kerno's place, some fire, fireside dirty runs. Did Vossi, would Vossi, do you think that's got Vossi's fingerprints all over it, something of just bringing the boys together? Does he spark anything back oh. there in the early 2000s with you guys? Vossi loved a tin at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> He's <laughs> very, very extremely professional, but at the right time, he loved it. He loved a couple of beers. <laughs> well, he appears to have nailed the timing with he's, his Carlton side. He was one of the best on Mad Monday, actually, was he? Was, was he? He was superb, yeah. He, was, he loved a bit of a um, you know, dress-up, and he, uh, he just he'd rally the boys like he was on the field, and he, he was good fun. Yeah, he's, he's got, we've certainly got a bit of yeah, lad under him. We, we don't have the time to do it now. We've got to move on because Ethan's about to join us with his Brownlow. He's going to tell us exactly who wins the Brownlow and why, but... At another time, you and I need to sit down and work out what the hell it is about Brisbane Lions' Mad Mondays of the early 2000s that makes good coaches. Because Fly, <laughs> Craig McRae used to run them, yep. and he's now top of the ladder. And Vossi sounds like he was a, a front runner, and now he's got the Blues up into a, a contender spot. Yeah, yeah, Vossi was his sidekick. Um, what happened with Lepper? Oh, Lepper was just <laughs> playing the backside. This <laughs> <laughs> is Footy Talk with Liam Flanagan and Simon Black. You're listening to Footy Talk, all things AFL. If you're listening on Spotify, make sure you've hit the bell. Liam Flanagan and Simon Black here with you today, joined by the man who knows the Triple M Red Z Lending stats better than simply anybody, Ethan Meldrum. How are you, Ethan? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I think if uh, think if Two Man was listening to that, he might he might put in the word. But uh, happy to take second place to him. How are you two going? Well, we're flying. But and all respect to Two Man, he's the he's the grizzly veteran who's got the young up-and-comer Ethan nipping at his heels. We don't normally get the presence of Ethan on our call, Simon Black. No. It's fair to say you could do with him some, of course. Absolutely. He's very, I, had, I had the pleasure of one game a few weeks ago, funny. Very, very sharp. I was more talking about your inability to find stats at times on the computer in front of you. <laughs> well, champs, normally you, you look after each other when you commentate and you, and you sort of give a bit of a, write something on a piece of paper or whatever. Champs will throw you on the bus time and time again. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> if you could only witness the Triple M Red Z landing stats in the in the Brisbane call team sometimes, because honestly, it's like the screen in front of Blackie is buffering. It's like, <laughs> it's like we'll say uh, clearances for Lockie Neal in this first quarter, and you just see Blackie's eyes glaze over, and it's like, 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, come is, back to you. Is, the, is the screen buffering or is Simon Black? I think that's the eternal <laughs> question we need to ask. Eith, <laughs> uh, you've got three stats that we need to get into and you're going to be able to tell us who wins the Brownlow and why as well. Yes, I'll get to that last because that's highly anticipated. I'll get through these first two really quickly. First one is Harris Andrews. We need to talk about his form. His last eight weeks, I feel he's really flown under the radar. All the hype this year has been about other key defenders. It's Darcy Moore, it's James Sicily, it's Sam Taylor. Jacob Wiedering's had a good year. Harris Andrews, last eight weeks, number one rated key defender in the competition, number two rated defender full stop. Only Jack Sinclair is ahead. Hasn't lost a one-on-one contest for seven weeks. Number nine rated player in the competition overall. We're talking like leading the league in intercept marks, second for contested marks, leading the league for spoils. Blackie, I think he's been a really important part of you know why Brisbane are now second on the ladder and a red hot chance to take down Collingwood Friday night. Yeah, he's critical to their to their chances, isn't he? No doubt about that. He's uh, he's a star. He reads the ball so well. Jack Payne's been a great fillet for him. Jack's really allowed him this year to take often the best key forward in the opposition, and and, and Harris will sort of slide in across. So they've they've orchestrated that really well. The way the Gold Coast Suns manipulated him a few weeks ago, and 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 Harris didn't end up taking inset mark the whole game. That was interesting, and and sides. A couple of weeks since then, haven't been able to do that. So they would have learned from that. Harris learned from that. Um, and he's, yeah, he's a great player, isn't he? Is he in your All-Australian? Yep. Gets one of the spots? Definitely. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that, that, that's good going. I think he certainly should be in the conversation. Tallest players ever to take a kick in. I just wanted to have a look at this list out of curiosity because we saw what happened to poor old Tim English. Ed Richards just burning him, running on his own down the back pocket and was like, Tim, you can take the kick in. He's not the tallest player ever to take a kick in. So... Getting rid of the key defenders, like Sam DeConing was on this list. He's 204. I've sort of struck him for the record. Sure. Uh, Harris Andrews. Pure Ruckman. Pure Ruckman. How like Harris Andrews, 202 doesn't count. So tied for fourth, Hamish McIntosh has taken a kick in. Spider Everett has a career kick in. Sam Jacobs, a member <laughs> of this podcast occasionally, all have career kick-ins. They all stand at 203. Dean Cox, 204 centimetres. Used to drop down back occasionally, save the game sort of mode. He's taken 26 career kick-ins. Over the over the two hundred odd games he played in his life, he was a good kick and a great kick. Twenty six kick ins, though I can't believe he's a freak though, right? He I don't feel like it's fair to discuss Dean Cox in a ruckman conversation because flies in the face of Tom Rockliffe, the pig, who part of our call team up here. It, nothing brings him greater joy than when his theory about the air being thin up there for ruckman is proved <laughs> true when they make absolute howls on the weekend. Dean Cox. Operated on a different level from most ruckmen. Amazing tap ruckman and amazing athlete around the ground, and a beautiful kick. He was unique. He was really, wasn't he? Unique in that regard. So, doesn't surprise me. He's taken quite a few kickings. Yeah, no one quite like him. Tim English comes second on the list with one career kick in, and also with one career kick in, one centimetre taller than two hundred eight. Tim English. Max Gorn has a career kick in it's during the final quarter <laughs> of a game in twenty eighteen against Richmond. Uh, Melbourne ended up losing that game by 46 points, got run over in the oh. final quarter, funnily enough. So I think there's enough evidence to, to suggest that this just does not work. Who did the kick-ins for you guys Chrissy, back in your heyday? Chrissy Johnson. Oh, what a kick. Yeah. What a thumping kick of the football. He'd do the look-away kick. from. from he'd hit Darrell White near where the 50 intersected the boundary and he'd just place it wide. He'd just float in and leap and jump and... It was, oh, it was unreal. It was a cheat code back in the day. Right. Yeah. Now, the Brownlow time, Ethan. Yes, the one we've all been waiting for. I've sort of been goaded into this by producer Zoe and the head of this whole operation, MJ. He doesn't say hello to me on a Monday morning. He's like, 
where's your Brownlow predictor at? Because he's heavily invested in, you know, how's Nick Dacos going? He was the runaway favorite. Now he's out with his knee injury, blah, blah, blah. So essentially what I'm trying to do and what I've tried to do for a couple of years now is sort of use stats to predict the Brownlow. So every stat sort of gets a certain weighting, all sorts of things taken into account, uh, you know, previous Brownlow history, margin uh, comes into play, coaches' votes come into play. Jeez. Right now, Jeez. yeah, all sorts of, all sorts of you know, real sort of secret herbs and spices about this. Right. So right now, it's got Nick Dacos still four and a half votes clear. So he's on 28.1. It's real sort of, real sort of, you know, finessed. No one gets three, two, ones. It's sort of, you know, based on a little bit of chance as well. So sure. it's rare that you get a full three. Like if you're best on ground, you probably get a, like a 2.7 because umpires are random, essentially. So mm. Nick Dacos at... Nick Dacos on 28.1, still four and a half votes clear of Christian Petrarca on 23.5, Butters 21.9, Bontempelli 21.4, who is the current favourite for the Brownlow medal, and Tim Taranto 20.8. That's four and a half votes clear with two games left to play. I think Nick Dacos, and this will be news to the to the years of Collingwood fans, I think Nick Dacos is still in the box seat to win the Brownlow. I think wow. he's got enough of a gap over, I would say, Petrarca is the, the next best threat. I think Dacos is clear enough to suggest that even with his knee injury, should win the Brownlow. So Dacos, Petrarca, Butters, Bont, Tarant, I mean, it's a good top five. Blackie, given how many, or, you know, the injury at the back end of the year and what's he will probably end up missing the last four games of the regular AFL season or yeah, five? Is it, it, it won't be back until finals at, at the earliest, I would say, with that fracture. So it's so it's, it'll probably miss the last four games of the... Is Do you think the season is worthy of the Brownlow medal? Just on the eye test from you, as somebody who's won one. Yeah, I do, based on how how consistently brilliant he's been, yeah, to this point. Uh, like, I mean, the other guys, is, as I said, Petraka's been superb. He's always great. But based on his just... Eye, the eye test, Nick Dacos has just been something else this year. Second year, isn't it? Unbelievable. Mm. Incredible. Do you remember, talk, take us back to 2002, the night you won it. Stole it from Josh Franco as a port supporter, just quietly. But, <laughs> uh, what do you remember of the night? It was at the Gabba here because we were playing the grand final. We didn't travel down to Melbourne. Uh, it was, I came home late really hard. So it was a case of, uh, I remember Vossi about eight rounds out. He goes, you're, you're going to win this. I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I won't. And uh, yeah, sure enough, I managed to, yeah, to, to get up and win. I, I was pretty overawed. I, mm. I, I, I How back, old were you in 2002? 23. Wow. And I remember thinking, I remember looking back now thinking, God, that, that thank you speech is the worst speech <laughs> of all time. <laughs> Simon Black is the Bradley medalist. So I'm just trying to uh, stop the shakes up here at the moment. Uh, it's an amazing feeling, this. I, uh, I came here tonight completely uh, expecting just to have a, have a nice meal and, uh, and this is just blowing my mind away, actually. It was an amazing night. Yeah. Aka, uh, you know, gave me the, the medal and um, it was surreal, you know, surreal it was. It was incredible. I, I, Luke Darcy was a red-hot favourite that night. Oh. <laughs> he had a party and fortunately he didn't, didn't get up. He cops it. <laughs> <laughs> Threw himself a party for a Brownlow that never arrived. Where's the Brownlow now? Uh, it was in it was in Optus Stadium in Perth. They had all the Brownlow medalists uh, of WA uh, in a little museum there, but I've actually just recently got it back. So, oh. yeah. So we're just sitting at home? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's in, I haven't seen it for a while. The kids have had it and then, yeah, it's in there somewhere. <laughs> the kids, imagine. <laughs> what have you brought for show and tell, little, little Blackie? Uh, I bought my dad's Brownlow medal. Uh, get stuffed. <laughs> Showing up all the other parents at school. So, as per Ethan Meldrum's Brownlow predictor, Nick Dacos will be crowned 
the 2023 Brownlow medalist. It'd be an amazing effort from this far, from, well, miss four games, essentially. Well, quick question without notice, Heath. That makes him the youngest Brownlow medalist since, is it Gav back in 93? Oh, it'd probably be tied with Gav. Gav was, yeah, he was 20. Nick Dacos currently 20 as well. Oh, uh, it's a it's an impressive feat. I don't know. I don't know off the top of my head what the youngest is. Going back is, 30 years, though. 30 years. Oh, to the rubber man himself. How good was Gav? Star. star. Absolute star. And he's held up well. He's one of those football players that's held up well in their old age. Yeah. yeah. Not, not a great dancer, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> Has not Gav. aged, though, uh, Gavin Wanganeen. No, exactly. Like but, a fine one. Um, Dick Reynolds as well was 19, and that was, what, 70 years ago? And again, we're talking amazing numbers here that Nick Dacos is set to, according to Ethan Meldrum's Brownlow predictor, set to... <laughs> Be up there in that sort of company. Yeah, it might have might have picked six of the last eight winners. So we'll see how we go. <laughs> <laughs> not to put it in, not to set it in stone, not to set it in stone. Six of the last eight. Oh, outstanding work. All right. Well, that is all from Footy Talk today. Uh, Ethan Meldrum, outstanding work by you. Good to see you both. Simon Black. Great to see you, boys. I'm well going to turn up for work this weekend, I promise. Yeah, please <laughs> turn up, mate. Do it down the Gold Coast. Carlton versus the Suns. Uh, tomorrow, footy talk. Oh, it's the bad boys. Daisy Thomas and Heath Shaw, two members of the Rat Pack in the, the good pack. old days of Collingwood. So set the senses to tomorrow's episode of Footy Talk. <laughs> Who knows where these two might end up. Uh, but obviously tonight, Australia taking on England, semi-final of the Women's World Cup up the Tillies. And here's hoping we're celebrating a win tomorrow. Your beauty. Listener.